Welcome to the American Coinot Podcast. Since 1960, American Coinot Magazine has been the independent voice of the self-service laundry industry. I'm your host and editor of the magazine, Bruce Beggs. I've served American Coinop since 2011, and I'm in my 32nd year as a reporter editor. My guest today is Paul Russo, a longtime New York City store owner who retired from the industry recently after a career spanning 40-plus years. Paul is a regular contributor to the Coin Laundry Association Forum under the pseudonym Polly B., and beginning next month will be a regular columnist for me here with American Coin Op. Uh, today we'll be talking about his long career, uh, industry changes along the way, and what he thinks the future holds. He joins me by phone from his home in Arizona. Good morning, Paul, and welcome. Good morning, Bruce. I'm happy to be here. Good to talk to you, Paul. Thanks. Let's just dive right in. Tell us and tell me uh, how you got started in the vended laundry business. It was uh, 1975 is when I first started becoming interested. I was working as a, a floral designer in a, in a wedding center at the time, working like 60 hours a week. My whole life, I've always been very interested in fixing things. I worked on cars. I fixed radios, TVs. So I always had that desire to fix things. And I, I came across a, a really run-down laundromat uh, in my neighborhood where I lived. And it was so bad, there was only two lights working in the store. Half the machines were out of order. So I just asked uh, the owner, is this for sale? And he said, yeah. I decided to dive in and try to uh, turn the store around in my spare time. I looked forward to fixing all the equipment. And it was an exciting thing. Hmm. So I got the store really cheap. And I fixed it up. I opened in uh, December 1976. After about three weeks, I, I started breaking even. I was losing less money each week. I really fixed it up nicely, and I started making money from that point on. Now, how many stores over the years have you had? You started with the one, but but how many stores did you have, and how many stores did you end up when you recently uh, got out of the industry? I started doing so well that I opened up my second store, or I should say I bought my second rundown laundromat uh, two years later. And uh, that store broke even within the first week. Hmm. I mean, and I was really going full steam ahead. I was very happy about that. And uh, I had a total, I, a total of three stores. Okay. Uh, ten years later, I ran those two stores for, for about nine years, and then the tenth year, I, I opened up a third one. Again, a rundown. That was my formula. Buy a rundown laundromat and fix it up. Now, where were your stores located in the New York City area? Well, I was actually in the borough of Queens. Queens, okay. Uh, two of them were in Flushing. One of them was in an area called Glen Oaks. The The two laundromats in Flushing were very um, densely populated. A lot of uh, big apartment houses nearby. And I felt comfortable feeling that I had a big net of, um, of potential customers uh, because there were so many people in the area. And at that time, there were not many laundromats. Uh, also in New York, just about everybody offers drop-off service, and it really does help to pay pay for the salaries. So I always I was always fully attended. I mean, there were a couple of stores that were partially attended. I remember one store I decided to leave it open unattended on Thanksgiving, you know, and uh, the next day the store was vandalized. They come in, we come in and the store was vandalized. Oh. So I knew I I had to have attendance. I often look at the um, attendance in the business almost similar to bartenders uh, in a bar because people come in every week 
and they get to be friendly with the attendants, and they they spill their guts, and and we we learn about what happens in the uh, neighborhood. In New York, you have to have attendance stores. Uh, so in order to pay them, you have to do a drop-off service. And did these the three stores that you mentioned, did you run those until you got out of the industry recently? My original store that I opened in 1976, I was still, it was bursting at the seams for a long time. And the only way that I could control the, uh, the flow of customers was to keep raising the prices. Hmm. I had to keep raising the prices just to slow down the amount of customers. It was really a thing of beauty back then. In 2003, I uh, had an opportunity to literally move the store uh, to a, a bigger location within the same building, which allowed access to parking, which was critical. So after 2003, I had a bigger laundromat and I had parking. Uh, but it was getting by that time it was getting very competitive, though. You know, the, there were laundromats opening here, there, across the street, down the block. Uh, but I still managed to survive. I did a complete rebuild while I was still operating uh, my small store. The store in Glen Oaks, uh, after a while, um, it was in 1991 or 92, I, um, I sold that. So I had three stores. I was operating three stores at the time, and I wanted to become a nurse. And I needed time to study because nursing school was very hard. So I sold the store in Glen Oaks, started studying uh, nursing. You mentioned nursing, and I understand that you graduated from nursing school in 1999. Tell us about that experience. Did you have a career away from laundry, too? After I got experience in the laundromat business, I learned how to run these stores pretty well in my, uh, with leaving me with spare time. I mean, that's one of the big attractions of the laundromat industry to many people. But in the beginning, you really have to give them a lot of time. There are so many problems that come up, so many unexpected things that come up. But after a few years, you get, you learn how to deal with these issues. It allowed me to actually go and become, go to nursing school and become a nurse and even work. I worked part-time as a nurse for about a year and a half. You, you worked as a nurse at night, but you ran the laundries during the day. Is that right? That, that's right. You know, it's funny because um, in the laundromat business, almost every veteran will tell you that you get emergency calls. Uh, they can come anytime, you know, somebody broke into your store in the middle of the night or whatever, and it sort of keeps you on edge. So, um, it's kind of funny because, um, I, I figured I would work as a nurse at night because I'm pacing the floor anyhow. <laughs> it was, it became hard because uh, there were times when I had no sleep and then I had, would have to go into the store, uh, for one reason or another. I like fixing things. That's, that's my main thing, you know, ever since I was a little kid. So the laundromat business was natural to me. All the nurses would ask me, I don't get the connection. Uh, you're a nurse uh, at night and you're a laundromat owner during the day. Where's the connection? So I said, I like fixing things. Uh, during the day, I fix washing machines and at night, I fix people. Right. Getting back to, the, to your stores in the New York City area, what challenges are inherent in managing laundries in metropolitan areas like New York City that may not factor into stores located in rural communities? The first thing that comes to mind is parking. Uh, parking is very, very hard to come by, and depending upon the area that you are in, like one of my stores, the parking is so tough that even the fire hydrants get taken, like around five, six o'clock at night. People pull into fire hydrants just and have they'll have a friend jump out and, and bring their laundry into the store and drop it off. I was surrounded by apartment houses, which was great. The only problem 
was that uh, people can only come to me with their little shopping carts. So it limited the amount of laundry that, and, and how far will people walk? You know, maybe four or five blocks at the most. And then the, la- the apartment houses themselves, it's challenge number two. Uh, apartment houses themselves were starting to build really, really good laundry rooms. I mean, when I first started, they just had all top loaders, and it was very easy to compete with. They started putting in front loaders, and their laundry rooms started becoming more like mini laundromats, mm, and okay. that, that hurt me. Referencing that, you had mentioned that the, the, the competition you know, was, it becomes greater. I mean, you, there, it became greater. And was that just a matter of the number of stores that are open in a, in a specific area? Yeah, uh, gradually over the years, the pie would have to be cut into smaller and smaller slices as more and more laundromat owners were opening up. The biggest competitor for me was the uh, apartment houses. If they redid an apartment house laundry room uh, that was close to my store, uh, my business dropped. So that's something to, for people to watch out if they want to open a laundromat and they feel they look around and they see all these, all the, this whole population of people, thousands of people walking down the street. You say, wow, this is, the potential is terrific here. But the trick is to get them to come to your store. When you started in the industry, digital watches, pagers, and fax machines were considered high tech. And today managers can manage much of their operations remotely, you know, using internet-connected devices. How did you use technology in managing your businesses over the years? In the beginning, I had nothing. I, I started even before there were pagers. And I would just have to call my stores a couple times a day just to make sure there were no surprise emergencies. Because in the beginning, I was new, and I did not know how to prevent a lot of problems. Uh, so it was rough in the beginning. I spent a lot of time in, uh, in phone booths. Then the, the pages started coming out, and I would get a beep, and I'd have to call the store. You know, and then I got two tone beeper, one for each, one tone for each store. <laughs> okay. Uh, so now, <laughs> I know. <laughs> so now today, with cell, cell phones, are fantastic. They're, they're absolutely fantastic, and and video surveillance on your phone, that that's made life a lot easier. Yeah. But I do find that um, technology can be a double-edged sword. In what way? Well. Um, also, in the beginning, uh, the stores were much simpler. You had really well-built uh, machines that did not break down that often because they weren't that complicated. It was simple machines. They, uh, you just had one cycle, and that's, a, that's both a plus and a minus as well. One cycle keeps it simple. The, the negative to that is you cannot upcharge your customers. Right. So in the beginning, the, the stores were much more reliable. The more bells and whistles you have, the more things can break down. But the technology of the phones and the surveillance systems uh, and video and all that stuff uh, sort of like made up for that. Do you think it's easier or harder to uh, own or manage a vended laundry today than when you started? I would say today it could be a little harder. Uh, you have to be technically oriented one way or the other, more so now than ever before. In the beginning, you had to be pretty much um, hands-on with electromechanical things. Now it's more computerized. You, know, you can't just open a laundromat without having any technical knowledge at all, in my opinion, or, or if you're old thumbs, because a lot of things that you're going to have to fix uh, could cost nothing at all to fix. It could be a loose wire or, or just a bad connection, and you fix that yourself for free. 
But if you have to call a mechanic, that's tough. That's the most important challenge, that people have somebody that has technical ability because you, you're opening a store that's packed full of equipment, and each machine has maybe hundreds of parts. If you had one piece of advice to give new store owners, what would it be? Having an inclination, inclination for a technical savvy is a big plus compared to a competitor who, who may not be able to diagnose and repair the equipment. The other thing is a very basic, simple thing that I find so many laundromats do not have is just to keep the store clean. The, the, the number one answer to success in this business, aside from location, is keep the store clean and keep the machines running. What did you learn about yourself over the course of your 40-year-plus career in Vinden Laundry? What did you learn about yourself? I went through a lot of uh, problems uh, over the years, such as fires and floods and, and crimes committed against my business. Uh, so I learned that I'm tough. You either learn how to deal with these situations uh, and, and learn how to prevent them, or you have to get out of the business one way or the other. I feel like I was, I was not only a survivor, but I was able to prosper. Um, and, and competitors, too. You know, uh, there are people that will eyeball your store. As soon as you start getting busy, somebody may say, hey, I think I'll open up across the street. So you have to learn how to deal with that stuff. So I feel good about myself knowing that I was able to deal with many problems over the years. Does addressing or do addressing some of those challenges, are those some of your fondest memories? Yes. The out-of-the-box thinking like, uh, is some of my most rewarding uh, memories. For instance, um, I got to a point where I wanted to pay people to, to empty my coin boxes, which uh, many operators say, no, never do that. But I, I really needed the time, especially when I was in nursing school. So back at that, in those days, they had, there was very few electronics out. And all they had were impulse counters on the washing machines. You know, every time you pushed in a coin slide, for instance, it would register a digit. So I knew how many washes were being uh, processed and stored. But I didn't. I wasn't able to come up with how to uh, how to uh, keep track of of the dryers. How much money was going into the dryers? Because back then they were electromechanical devices. And then it hit me. It, it struck me one day uh, driving to work. I realized if I can't count the number of quarters going into the dryer, what can I count? I can count the time that the dryer was on. I put hour meters in my dryers, just like they have on airplanes. You know, that records the amount of time the dryer was on. Ah. So I just simply kept the log, and I was able to keep track of the money. So I really get a great deal of um, satisfaction out of coming up with answers to problems that are from other businesses. You look at McDonald's, for instance, you see, what are they using? What kind of furniture are they using in their stores that's really heavy-duty and yet good-looking? Things like that. Look at other industries. Was it hard for you to sell your stores and retire? Why did you ultimately make that decision? After being in the business for 41 years, I was looking to retire or to move out to Arizona. I just love Arizona. And I had no choice, really, uh, but to uh, sell the stores, of course, if you're going to move across the country. Um, I, after 41 years, I had enough. You know, I had some really good moments. There were times, I mean, I made a lot of friends with the customers, so I sort of missed that. But um, I'm 66 now, and I'm sort of ready for 
to be out of the day-to-day bull work, so to speak. And now I have a lot to talk about. I have accumulated a lot of a lot of knowledge over the years from my experiences, and I'm looking to offer. I'm excited about uh, writing articles for American Coin Op. Let's talk about your new role um, with American Coin Op. You're uh, a new columnist. I'm my new columnist for the magazine. Tell our readers what can they look forward to when they read your column. I'm looking to to really help people, mostly the newbies, with all these ideas, these out-of-the-box ideas that I've accumulated over the years. I have, like I said, I have a lot to talk about. I enjoy writing. I enjoy expressing my thoughts, expressing my experiences, and it's kind of uh, rewarding in, in that way alone. Well, we'll look forward to your column coming in American Coin Up, and then whatever the future holds for you, uh, we also you know, look forward to that and wish you luck uh, moving forward. And, and with that, Paul, I'm going to sign off for today's podcast. Uh, it's excellent having you on board at the magazine, and, and thanks so much for chatting today. It was a real pleasure. Thank you for having me, Bruce. Thank you so much. The American Coin Op Podcast is a production of American Trade Magazine's LLC in Chicago, with music written by Nazar Ryback and provided by Hook Sounds. For more information about future podcasts, visit our website at AmericanCoinOp.com or consult The Wire, our weekly e-newsletter. Also, be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter to stay informed about these podcasts, along with news and information from around the industry. For American Coin Op, this is Editor Bruce Beggs saying your cycle is up.